Welcome to Doctor Who on the Rocks, a podcast where we drink whiskey, discuss the longest running show in science fiction, and arbitrarily assign points to find out who really is the best doctor. I'm Diana, and I've seen it all. And I'm Jen. I've seen nothing. This week, it's the moon base. But first, the whiskey of the week. All right, so this week we are drinking Woodford Reserve Double Oaked Barrel Finish Select. The last time we had a double oaked something, wasn't that the one with the spiral that was double oaked? I want to say it was as dark as this one. It looked as dark. I don't remember. Because I think this might be one of the darkest whiskeys we've had. This one definitely looks like... um, Like it's going to slam me in the face. It also It just also reminds me, and I mean this in the best way. I'm sorry for anybody that's going to take this, like I mean it rudely, um, or that maybe Woodford Reserve takes this rudely, but it reminds me of a lot of the rivers in South Carolina where the leaves turn the water red Mm. because of the tannins, and so the rivers are actually like really red and murky, but it's really just because of the like tannins Mm. out of the leaves that fall into the river, Mm -hmm. and it's a particular favorite like reddish brown color of mine. Mm. That's what this kind of reminds me of this color the bottling looks like a big flask it does it's definitely a statement kind Mm -hmm. of a bottle Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. i do like a lot i'm also a big fan of anytime they do this like paper thing over the top where you have to like it leaves it kind of having that messy looking top i like it Mm -hmm. with any of them Mm -hmm. i don't like big wax seals though no miss me with those those are hard they are so this is nice very easy to open. Well, mm-hmm. we'll see. TBD. We still have to pop it. Okay. So as we've talked about all season, this mm-hmm. season we are looking at women and whiskey. Woo-woo. And so this is another bottle that I was excited to see with its longevity have at least one woman involved. That we know of. That we know of. And this woman is Elizabeth McCall, and she's the assistant master distiller. Hmm. Is she also a scientist or a chemist, I would say? She was a sensory expert in the research and development department at Brown Foreman, who is the owner of Woodford Reserve Old Forester and Jack Daniels. So another sensory expert, mm-hmm. but actually got it right. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm throwing shade at the other one. Mm. I'm sorry. She's a Latina too. My bad, but girl. It's not her fault. It's, it's a team effort. So she had joined Brown Foreman in like 2009, and by 15... She had become master taster, and then three years later, she was the assistant master distiller. Get it, girl. Progress. Women in whiskey, man. Yeah. Women in whiskey. Yeah, very exciting. Now, the Woodford Reserve Distillery is a national historic landmark, so I think that we have a vacation in Kentucky Hmm. to go to at some point. Cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Historical because it's old? The first. (laughs) I mean, that's why anything is historical. (laughs) 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 Yeah, because it's super fucking old. Like the first of uh, something. You know, this isn't the first time I've heard that something is the first. Yeah. It's kind of that whole thing where I think there are technically like three Texas whiskey distilleries that are all like, we're the first Texas distillery. And the other one's like, well, only legally, because Mm. we were the first technically. And then the other one was like, but in our hearts, we're first. (laughs) (laughs) You're not first or last. (laughs) Yeah. So on their website, it says the art of making fine bourbon first took place on the site of the Woodford Reserve Distillery. So they're not really claiming to be like the first, but it's distilled where... The first bourbon. bourbon. So that's how they tied to themselves to the first bourbon. Gotcha. I mean, A for effort. You know, you got you got to market it somehow. And, oh, I appreciate that it's distilled in Versailles, Kentucky. I wonder how they say it. Versailles. Versailles. 
Because it's, it's not going to be pronounced. It's not going to be pronounced Versailles. There's no way. There's no way that they pronounce it Versailles. Please, if you live there around there, please tell me how it's pronounced because I, I love it. I love the just complete destruction of European names in America. We don't take them seriously at all. Not at all. All right. You ready to pop this sucker? Let's pop that baby. All right. That's a very hefty, strong pop. Yeah, it is. The only thing I don't like about bottles like this. You can't smell it. Yes. (laughs) If you stick your nose in there. (laughs) Oops, sorry. Um, No, it's more that. No, it's more that I find them tedious to hold. Mm, yeah. It's it's a good bottle to grab by the neck, but not so much to pour. Because this one I feel like it's a two hand I feel like it's a two-hander. Yeah, I like it. Oh fuck. See? Oh yeah, God, see? I got it all over the Oh I just tried to do <laughs> Girl. We are not we haven't even taken our first sip and you're already trying to close the, the cup. The glass. Yeah, this one's nice because I think it'll look good on the shelf. Mm-hmm. It's going to look real nice on the shelf. It's a great bottle. It gives great like variety in the like lineup and everything. Mm-hmm. But if it was one that if we end up liking and I would drink often, I think I would put it in a decanter so that I could pour it more For easily. sure. Yeah, because this one, it's it's so weird that like half of it is on the table. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is definitely wider than it is tall. Right. Right. But let's see. Let's see what this baby tastes like. Cheers. Bottoms up. Oh, this is strong. Ooh, I like it though. It doesn't burn my nostrils, which is great. Yeah, I can feel it doing that thing where it like cuts through my brain and like goes to the back. All right, let's try this, baby. Uh, Am I ready? You know, not bad. It's kind of sweet. It has a little bit of sweetness. I think the the fumes plus the sip really ha- gives it a bite, but it's not like last, well, two weeks ago. That no. one was like drinking ethanol. Yeah. This one, dare I say it, it's a little light. Mm-hmm. For how dark it is and for how it's double oaked, I was kind of expecting it to be more, like, heavier and more mm. of, like, a punch you in the gut because usually whiskeys that look like this usually do uh, punch you in the gut. But this one, it's 90.4 proof, mm-hmm. so it's not the strongest that we've had. But I don't, I, you know, I don't hate it. It's not – I feel like if if – we put it on the rocks, it will definitely water it down more. Mm-hmm. The flavoring, mm-hmm. it will open too much. Yeah. This is good. A little smoky kind of too. A little. Yeah. Yeah. I I always like a good oaky. It's kind of, I think it's one of the reasons that I'm drawn to whiskeys in the first place is that so many of them are so heavy, that a lot of them are uh, nice and oaked because that's also what I'm drawn to in like a Chardonnay is a mm-hmm. good oaked Chardonnay. Mm. I like it. The, my first... Like one of the first words that like came to my brain was like just like broad. Like it just is such a open flavor, I guess. Mm-hmm. And definitely gave me like goosebumps for like days. But yeah, I like it a lot. Not mad at it. I'm not mad at it at all. It definitely gives me a very strong sweet vibe though. In the sense of like a Werther's, hmm. like caramel. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's sweet in the sense that it mutes the strength. But I wouldn't say it's like a honey sweet. No, no, no. That's what I mean, like caramel. Mm-hmm. It's still that really like more of an earthy taste. Mm-hmm. 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 It's like I can taste the wood. <laughs> yeah. Not quite as much as that one whiskey we had that was like talk, like licking rocks. <laughs> yeah, that one was definitely like licking rocks. That one was cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but this one definitely, I feel like it's a, it's a whiskey. It's mm-hmm. not a whiskey that we're attempting to do something with. It is like, let's make a whiskey. We'll put mm-hmm. it in a barrel twice. Mm-hmm. It's going to be real good. Mm-hmm. And they're right. It's real good. It is good. I can drink this all day. I mean, I couldn't. 
but <laughs> Get I would real die. drunk. I would I would be on the floor dead. <laughs> but what do you rank it? I'm gonna do an eight five. Eight point five. Hmm. Because I appreciate that it's not punching me in the gut. Mm-hmm. I kind of wish there was a little more spice to it, just like a teensy bit uh, more bite. In but terms like of this. like the alcohol or the flavor palette? Mm, more of the alcohol. Mm. More, a little bit more of that punch. Yeah. You know? Because this it, this has a light punch. Mm-hmm. It's like a sucker punch. Yeah. Uh, but... Well, I guess not all sucker punches are light, but uh, <laughs> it's more. Um, how do I say this? It's more. How can I describe this? I appreciate that it looks like I'm drinking something that is hardcore yeah. without really being hardcore. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? It, you appreciate that it lets you help. It helps you be a total poser for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Being an adult is realizing that it's okay. It's to be okay a to pretend. <laughs> I'll give it also an eight point five. Mm, I'm, I'm going to give it an eight. Okay, I was like, I'm not going to second guess it. I'm going to give it an eight, partially because the burn isn't where I usually like for it to be. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I mean, I like it a lot. It's just you like the gut punch. You like yeah. the punch in the throat. Yeah, where this punch is, it's not exactly my favorite place to be punched. You like the belly fire. But I do like the belly fire better. Yeah. Gotcha. Absolutely. Yeah. So you have eight props, Elizabeth McCall, because this one tastes super good. Yeah. I'm not mad at the taste. I'm not super mad at the taste. It's just where the kick is. It's just, yeah. It's just not where you prefer mm-hmm. to feel your alcohol. This is one I think I would enjoy, if I enjoyed cooking, what I would enjoy cooking with. Mm. I could see it. People who prepare their barbecue with whiskey. Oh. Mm-hmm. I could see where the caramelization, like flavor palette in there, and that gotcha. smoky um, sweetness would actually work really well. Put some uh, hickory in that bitch. Maybe I can't. Sp- I don't actually. I couldn't. I don't know the taste of anything. With that being said, let's talk about some Doctor Who. Yeah. So this week we are discussing the Moon Base. We've already done the intro because we... That's right. We already drank. We already drank. <laughs> Clearly, we already drank. Ah, cheers! The moon boost! So the moon base ran from February 11th, 1967 to March 4th of 1967. Thank God we're still in 1967. Yeah, for a Said while. everyone sarcastically. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jen. <laughs> So things that happened during the run, close to home, very close to home, on February 6th, Ali beat Terrell at the Astrodome. Ooh. Beat him in his motherfucking face. Okay. And this was the fight where Terrell kept calling him Cassius Clay, which was his like dead name. His dead name, yeah. And Ali just fucking walloped him mm-hmm. while yelling, what's my name? <laughs> Oh, yeah, there's iconic. another. Yeah, there's another iconic. What's my name? What's moment. my name? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, like to yeah, be fair, yeah. like don't fuck with Ali. Like, I mean, what is it? He's strong like a something stings, stings like, like a, a bee, floats like a butterfly, stings like a bee. There we go. Yeah. See, February fourteenth, Aretha Franklin records respect. No way. R e s p e c t since sixty seven. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So February 17th, there was a scientific paper that was published that essentially announced that RNA and genetic code is the same in all living things, which is crazy. Like, it's a huge statement to have made. Is that like the stuff that makes up you and me is the same stuff that makes up a tree and and a sea star and a bird and a dinosaur. You know, all of it's the same. That's pretty crazy. Which you might really enjoy this book that I'm currently reading called Sapiens, which is the brief history of the human human. Kind. I've always wanted to read it. It was very big, it's like seven years ago. Good. Yeah. I'm learning a lot. Yeah, and learning. I want to borrow things. It. Well, I have a PDF, so I can send it. Ooh, to nice. You. Mm-hmm. It's definitely been one of those things where I realized that I learned evolution wrong. 
Like, Ooh, because sure. at least, at least the way that I learned evolution, it was presented to me was that like the Neanderthals and like the Homo sapiens, it was like stages of the human uh, evolution. Yeah. Not that it was all happening at the same Branches. time and branched out mm-hmm. based on different parts of the world that yeah. they were located <sighs> in. Right. So it talks about like this theory of like, did one conquer the other or were we able to intermingle? Yeah, right. It's crazy. It's opened my eyes to a lot of things that I miss. So I think you definitely enjoy it. Now, also on February 17th, the Beatles released Penny Lane and Strawberry Fields (sighs) because the Beatles are the best. Great songs. Also around this time is when we're starting to really get strong vibes of like JFK assassination conspiracy theories. Which I'm not saying they don't have value, like that there's not something there, especially mm-hmm. because I've never like gone real into the conspiracy theories, but I I know that there's like weird shit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but around this time, a whole bunch of people started dropping from like natural causes, like um, uh, first wife Trump, you know, who just died. Just died. Just and died. is now uh, conveniently buried on his golf course. Yeah. Like just, you know. <laughs> Like, nothing happened. Like, she wasn't in a hall, you know, very... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She fell. Right after Epstein. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so people are starting to drop like that in the JFK assassination. People who were, like, adjacently related to information mm-hmm. are starting to just kind of, like, die. And it's, like, enough people that it's weird. Mm-hmm. What's the connecting thread? Right. You know? So... Yeah. How many of y'all choked on peas? Right. How, how like, how, what is the yeah. percentage? Yeah, you got, you, got, you, got, you got pushed down the stairs. Okay. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You fell. Weak sure. bones, but didn't get. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it almost made me go down the rabbit hole of what's the deal with the JFK assassination, but. You know, that's a, that's a rabbit hole that I have no desire to go down because there's just so much fucking shit out there. Yeah. That it's like, I don't want to become a YouTube conspiracy theorist. February 28th. This is actually really cool. President Johnson actually sent a message to the U.S. Senate state starting the process of creating the Public Broadcasting Act of 1967. Hmm. Why is this important, Jen? The radio... Right. Well, actually, it created. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, we're a little past that. Okay, okay. I was like, <laughs> this actually eventually created the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Oh, PBS for people like you, <gasps> which eventually would fund the PBS. Okay. And the PBS is super great because Reading PB- Rainbow. Reading Rainbow. I actually found my Mr. copy Rogers. of The Legend of the Blue Bonnets by. Mm. Um, Tommy DePaulo, mm-hmm. that has a Reading Rainbow sticker on it, Aww, which DiPaolo. I love. Yeah, big, big Texas animator, uh, illustrator here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, also, a West German court ruled that imposter Anna Anderson failed to prove that she was the uh, Grand Duchess Anastasia, Ooh. which she maintained for her whole fucking life that she was the Grand Duchess. She wasn't. DNA has proved that she wasn't. We found her. And it's yeah, she dead. Was, yeah, she's super dead. They're all dead, dead, dead. Mm-hmm. Very brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it ended the legal case that had lasted almost thirty years at that point. Damn. It's a really fascinating. Uh, the fact that study. someone tried to claim that identity is crazy. Well, so I mean, not crazy that it happened. Crazy that it lasted so long. Uh, so getting to Doctor Who, this story was written by Kit Pedler and was directed by Morris Berry. Mm-hmm. Our script editor is still. Jerry Davis and our produ- producer is still in a Lloyd. Do any of those names mean anything to you? All of them have something. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, something triggers my mind every time you say those names. What they did, can't tell you, but I can tell you that they're involved with Doctor Who. <laughs> Classic Who. That's Which great. Is the difference. <laughs> um, Morris Berry hasn't done anything with Doctor Who, okay. but everybody else has. So see, I'll give all right, that to you. See, yeah. okay. He just so, he just got jumbled in the crowd. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, now we finally get a full script written by Kit Pedler. Kit Pedler is our guy who was the one that like audition um, was like basically cold call for scientific advisor. Gotcha. Positioning kind of mm-hmm. things, and it was his ideas that brought about the war machines and Wotan. And is credited as being one of 
you know, he is one of the two people that helped co-create the Cybermen. Mm-hmm. So we finally get an episode of the Cybermen done by the guy who basically helped create the Dennis. Cybermen. Yeah. Dennis Kit Morse. Peddler. Kit, 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 Kit Peddler, Kit. which I think is a great name. Kit, yeah. Kit Peddler. Where did I get he, Dennis Morrison from? Morris Berry is the <laughs> director. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, you know, that's okay. Moving on. <laughs> Spoiler warnings for the rest of this episode. <gasps> so, Kit helped write The Tenth Planet and helped create the Cybermen. He was also the unofficial science advisor and basically Doctor Who's science think tank. Gotcha. So he's not actually like a science advisor in the sense that like he made sure that the science was correct. Mm-hmm. He just was inspired by science and had a background in science and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, Morris Berry will direct a couple other episodes for Doctor Who and actually acted in another one. Now, over in the green room, it's just our Cybermen today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the Cybermen, John Maxim, was also Frankenstein's monster in the chase. Okay. And one of the other Cybermen is a man named by the name of John Levine. And John Levine will later show up as a series regular named Benton. But, you know, that means nothing now. He's probably a companion. Who knows? <laughs> if he's a series regular. Who knows? There's not going to be a villain named Benton. You don't know that. I'm pretty sure there's not going to be a Hi, Benton. <laughs> I know who you are. Pretty sure it's a nerd. Just kidding. <laughs> I just, my favorite thing is that like everyone listening knows. <laughs> For the most part, they know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and your like wild guesses are very entertaining. All right. So. Into our production notes. This is the first time we go to the moon mm-hmm. ever in Doctor Who, uh-huh. which is pretty unusual in science fiction. Yeah, because I feel like most places are take place in the moon or Mars. Right. Yeah. The moon is a very, very common place to go. Mm-hmm. One of the most, one of the huge major early science fiction movies of like the 1920s goes to the moon. You know, the rocket ship lands in the moon's eye. Now, this is the first time we go to the moon because Hartnell refused to put on a spacesuit. Gotcha. Which I mean, his have... Quaker Oats and a spacesuit, right. I get it. But... Right? Right? So I understand. For the doctor, it actually makes complete total sense. I don't think the first doctor ever needed to be in a spacesuit. Never. Can you imagine the first doctor in a spacesuit? That'd be really funny. It'd be weird. It'd be like Quaker Oats it and would helmet. Be. Yeah. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be a little weird. Um, also just to point out that we are in 1967 and man did not land on the moon until July 20th, 1969. Mm. So this is before man went to the moon. So this is in a different world of science fiction than we can understand. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. This is kind of like when we watch movies or shows set on Mars. Right. Yeah. That's exactly how I felt. Like I yeah. felt like the whole Earth colony thing mm-hmm. is like a Mars thing. Right. That it's we the see. closest yeah. we can understand. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this was commissioned as the last episode of The Tenth Planet, which was the first episode of The Cybermen, right? Gotcha. The first story of The Cybermen was airing. And therefore, of course, they had to shoehorn Jamie in because The Tenth Planet was before Jamie was picked up right. as a companion, which is That's why we have a little bit. That's all the time. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. So uh, what were our first impressions? First of all, oh my God, Cybermen yes. are back, and they are actually very vicious. They're scary. They're scary. Um, I thought they were scary, but they I were mean, scary. they were scary when we were first introduced to them. But like the fa- like, I didn't really understand how human they were yeah. until this series, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I realized like. Oh, we have uh-huh. sentient machines that are mm-hmm. really indestructible and can really fuck our shit up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Great. Cool. We'll just uh, try to beat them. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, uh, the fact that we got some clips of the doctor, the second doctor, in just his acting, his interaction yes. with the crew and like with our uh, companions. That was awesome. There's hasn't really been except the record the recorder uh, scenes, but like I really haven't bitched too much about this doctor. But that's just because I think that like he's portrayed very differently, and I enjoy how he's portrayed. Like mm-hmm. he's he's intentionally silly. He's not like trying to be pompous, and then he's 
silly sometimes, which I felt like the first doctor kind of yeah. was, you know, like Quaker Oats um, and then like trying to be like a circus clown it just didn't fit. Yeah, I felt very similarly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was watching this, I had forgot. I don't remember that this was a uh, Cyberman mm-hmm. episode. Mm-hmm. And so as the first episode's happening, I remember saying, because I was watching it with my brother. Mm-hmm. Are is this, is this Cyberman? Right. Like, is this really oh happening my God. right now? Because <laughs> <laughs> I had forgotten that Cyberman happened this quickly. Gotcha. Um, and so I, w- I was very excited. Um, I love the Cyberman. I love the second Doctor. Mm-hmm. It's a good one for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's get into it. All right. Let's do it. So the brief synopsis. Mm-hmm. The TARDIS gang land on the moon and gift us with incredible 1967 moon physics acting. Meanwhile, an honestly too small group of diverse scientists are controlling a weather machine while simultaneously dealing with a random sketchy group of strangers who appear around the same time as a plague, which is all just a drum roll for the reappearance of the Cybermen, all while being churlishly condescended to by a group of bureaucratic dictators. Yeah. Right? Basically. Yeah. That's what happened. (laughs) So uh, let's talk about some TARDIS points. Let's do it. Hey, Jen, mm-hmm. what do uh, TARDIS points stand for? Terrifically, arbitrary rankings determined with intoxicated seriousness. Oh, my God. It's like we're introing a segment. Right? Hello. Oh, Welcome. Wow. Take so, all of the seats. This might be the first time we've done it with no problems. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Uh, all right. Now that I've taken my seat. Mm-hmm. let's talk about the doctor yeah how do you feel about the doctor this episode i mean i still love him <laughs> like love him right i really do like uh, he just keeps crawling deeper and deeper into he's your just heart a very different doctor than the right. first doctor like he doesn't take himself as seriously obviously he knows a lot of things that are going on but also i kind of feel like he doesn't you right? know because it's kind of like I, I really still think that my theory about the acquired knowledge is still somewhat correct in the sense of like the diary is the written log of mm. like in the continuation of something but not mm-hmm. necessarily the same person mm-hmm. but like kind of like a consciousness mm-hmm. but whatever um so the fact that like no not whatever i live uh... <laughs> so like the fact that this doctor is a is different in that sense that like he's a very different type of doctor from mm-hmm. the first one but there's mm-hmm. still remnants mm-hmm. and the remnants is the knowledge and the way the knowledge is presented Mm-hmm. But it's very different besides that. Like, so that still has me kind of like, maybe by the third doctor, I'll figure it out a little bit Different, more. but the same, like the... The same, but different. You're right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. much so. Um, the fact that he has memories from a previous life is been very interesting to me too, because mm-hmm. that also makes me feel like, then maybe it's not a different doctor. Like, but then that is also a stronger inkling towards my theory of a, of a consciousness, like a shared mm-hmm. consciousness. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's still very much like understatably intelligent yeah, in the sense that like he knows what's going on and he he's calculating in the sense that it's not just the next step, unlike what we think of him when we see him. It's like we only feel like, at least for me, it's oh, he's always made feel like he's a little bit of an idiot, but he's really not. Like he's right. always... He he does things to kind of throw you off the scent, but like mm-hmm. he's actually like it's that whole really... thing that he presents as an idiot, but he's mm-hmm. really processing everything in the background so mm-hmm. that in like two scenes he can be like wham bam thank you ma'am, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but he can st- and it still manages to let him get away with this like idiot persona, right, right, right. right. Um, it's that it's a very filmatic presentation of mm-hmm. idiot savant. Mhm. 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 Mm-hmm. I have a lot of that kind of notation right. of the representation on television mm-hmm. that's 
that I feel like is interesting for this time period just because the the concept of idiot savant has always been either problematic or gratuitous. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like this is actually like a almost fair representation of what that must feel like to be in the environment mm-hmm. of somebody who we would have classically considered as an idiot savant where Polly works really well with him and Jamie works really well with him. Mm-hmm. But Ben cannot stand his fucking ass and the leader of the moon base cannot stand him for the first half until he realizes how to work with him. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And all of a the sudden they make an incredible team mm-hmm. and Ben cannot communicate with them mm-hmm. and Polly can. Mm-hmm. And I think that that mm, construction is really interesting. Mm-hmm because it is a reality of how how we communicate with other people and the fact that they are showing how how it is where if you can't communicate with somebody it does create a wall where like ben i mean ben and the doctor just don't give just don't fucking get on um and i think that's cool right i I like that a lot right yeah they really definitely amped up the relationship between ben and the doctor Mm -hmm. for this story Mm -hmm. where they just cannot deal with each other um, because the doctor is uncompromising in how he was willing to communicate and Ben Ben's brain won't let him move past what he can understand, which is understandable, mm-hmm. but it just means that Ben can't deal mm-hmm. with the way the doctor communicates mm-hmm. uh, because mm-hmm. the doctor is so fucking creative in this aspect. I really like that at the beginning, they they just started out with the doctor's off by like 200 meters. And Ben gives him a hard time when like mm-hmm. 200 meters in the grand scope of space and time. It's a very is, small amount. It's like very small. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. real small. Mm-hmm. The doctor did a real good job. Mm-hmm. And Ben gives him a fucking hard time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I did like that somebody's just going to call out the doctor on everything. I do like that aspect. Right. Mm-hmm. I like that this is the first time that we get confirmation that doctors had medical training. Right. In any way, shape, or form. He's actually a doctor. Now, to be fair, (laughs) it was 1988 in Glasgow. Right. Anything in 1988 is not medical treatment. I would trust. 1888. 1888. Yeah, that's not... <laughs> yeah, I was like, no, no, 1988 would kind of... No, 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 no. A little I'm bit. Barely. Barely. A little bit more than what you were giving it At least they... For. No, I think I said 1888. <laughs> no, you said 1988. All right. Well, I meant so 1888. 1888. <laughs> mm-hmm. Glasgow. Yeah, no. Which is like, you're so you're right in the middle of like body snatching and like stealing bodies from graves to plague. understand. Um, you're not that far, not that far back. Not that far back. This is um, this is more. We're starting to like just use audience arenas to watch dissections happen. Nothing crazy. Again, we need to watch Young Frankenstein. (laughs) That very era. So one of the things I found interesting was the fact that in this one we got to hear the doctor's thoughts, Mm -hmm. uh, which I will acknowledge is not something that I associate with Doctor Who. Um, It is definitely a unusual thing Mm -hmm. and i thought it was an interesting usage of it it's not something that i need every time but it was definitely um interesting to hear the doctor kind of talk to himself and i think is especially since we have a lot of the doctor being unusual in the environment since he has changed his face i think if we have an episode where we get to hear his thoughts it makes him a little bit more um understandable in his space because at least he's answering his own questions Mm -hmm. instead of him just being strange Mm -hmm. you get to have that question and answer that makes him more understandable right and you can imagine that's happening in other scenes Mm -hmm. even though he in reality is probably just being a fucking weirdo right anything else i like his eyebrows I've really enjoyed his presence. He's so cute. He really is. Yeah, he really is. He really is just adorable. Mm-hmm. He's just fun. I I Minus like the recorder scenes. 
I can even say with a recorder. No, honestly, he's been my favorite so far. Like, yeah, I'm gonna give him an so 8.5. I love it so far. One out, out of two. two. 8.5. 8.5? Mm-hmm. I really liked him this series a lot. I mean, I I like this story, so I really liked him in this series. I'm hoping that they won't just necessarily let him be the comic relief for like everything Mm -hmm. but this one he was clever Mm -hmm. he was also funny Mm -hmm. he was also really scary Mm -hmm. there were these moments where he took everything so seriously where everyone around him wasn't Mm -hmm. and i think that's one of the nice things about his character is because he's so extreme is that when everyone else is chill about something that's stupid that's happening he can be really serious Mm -hmm. and allow everyone to be like oh he's overreacting Mm -hmm. and it lets the audience feel the combination of their chillness and his overreacting Mm -hmm. to have an appropriate response Mm -hmm. um, that it works really well and in the meantime he's also really fucking funny right and he works so well with each character. It's like he works well off of Polly because she understands how to communicate with him. Mm-hmm. He works well off of Jamie because Jamie elevates to his drama. Mm-hmm. And he works well with Ben because Ben's like, fuck you, bro. Mm-hmm. And the doctor's like, well, fuck you, dude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they have this comedic rivalry that happens. Mm-hmm. And it works all so well to me. It just, I love, I love watching him fight with Ben. The same. <laughs> like, it's just so fucking funny. It's so crazy. Uh, so I feel like I have to, I'm going to give him, I'm going to give him an eight. Okay. He's so fun. I'm going to get more whiskey. Okay. So you gave the doctor an 8.5. I, I think I'm going to give him an eight. Mm-hmm. because I really liked him, but I didn't feel like he did anything really specifically Absolutely. above and beyond for mm-hmm. this episode. If this is what I get, if this is the average for the doctor, I'll be very happy for the Absolutely. second doctor's tenure. Mm-hmm. This is what I want for a staple doctor episode, mm-hmm. but there wasn't anything above and beyond. Gotcha. That I can really laud. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. So that leads us to Ben. Ben is usually out searching for his boat. How do we feel about Ben this week? The fact that he's able to poke fun at the doctor mm-hmm. and poke fun at all the other characters mm-hmm. and really not take himself as seriously this yeah. episode was very refreshing. For sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I mean, Ben's kind of becoming two-dimensional for mm-hmm. me. He's mm-hmm. kind of becoming a uh, very plot-driven character. Mm-hmm. Where I'm not mad about it. Like, I still don't like... I don't dislike Ben, but... I might be coming a little bored with Ben. Yeah. Where I might be looking forward to like either we need a change up of Ben's character or I like or a new companion. A new companion. I feel you, yeah. Like I wanna get rid of Polly because it's a little like Polly. But like Ben's just gonna get a little boring. Like he's just getting a little two dimensional. Mm-hmm. I do like his whatever relationship he has with the doctor mm-hmm. where it still feels like he's not down with the fact that the doctor just went up and went and changed his fucking face. Mm-hmm. And I do like that. Mm-hmm. I like that we've got these characters that have seen Quaker Oats, for your terminology. Right. You know, the fact that they know that the doctor used to look different, whereas Jamie, this is all he's ever known. So Polly and Ben have a much different realization with the fact that, like, who knows what's going on here. Um, so I do like that about Ben and that Ben is always kind of pushing against that idea. Great. But this is also the first episode where all of a sudden Ben and Jamie kind of have a rivalry happening. Right. Also, the episode at least skipped around for me a lot. I think this whole story feels a little choppier to me than anything else. I still feel like I could get a good sense of like the character and like how much they were rooted in the in the episode, but like yeah. you said, like with Jamie, it started be, it's becoming more of just the next thing to yeah. push along the button, right? And then with our other uh, with our other characters, it's they're starting to also not be like true to their characteristics yeah. that we've seen, you know? Yeah, my notes for Ben are very haphazard. So like I feel yeah. like I couldn't necessarily get a true feel for what this episode is like because. It was choppy. There was a lot of other factors happening that I just didn't really get through. Mm-hmm. Like, 
But definitely the fact that like Ben and Jamie do seem to be like the same person, just like. Well, I think so. We're still still definitely in that time period of where the story was written for one main male companion, mm-hmm. so they had to split it between mm-hmm. Jamie and Ben. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're splitting one character between two men, and there's one female character, I can see where you're going to put the dichotomy between mm-hmm. they're both interested, or seemingly interested, or the perception of one Do of them some, is that both yeah. both of them are interested. But because this is not a K drama, you know, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's not enough space given to right. that kind of tension for that tension to work. Right. So it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And Ben's interest in Polly is enough and has been established enough that like Jamie's interest in Polly like doesn't seem to matter. Mm-hmm. And so the tension doesn't work. Right. Polly seems like she could be interested in Jamie, but like there's like the history between her and Ben. So, right. so it, yeah. So there's not enough tension for it to like work as a tension right. point yet. Right. Which just makes Ben seem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he's I a potential that. plot point. But not really. But not right now. Mm-hmm. Has yeah. been in the past. They gave. Interesting because Jamie was knocked out for so much of it. Mm-hmm. That Jamie seemed to be given more mm-hmm. than Ben. Mm-hmm. There was the moment where Polly came up with the nail varnish recipe stuff and ben and jamie basically took over from it and right. ben was the one that was like not now polly this is men's work mm-hmm. but, but i'm like not super her inter- idea that it's right like- her idea it's all real fucking stupid mm-hmm. but it is still her idea mm-hmm. and i mean i think that coupled with the fact that she got told to make coffee again again i cannot believe again i well, we're getting to that with Polly. Yeah. I know I, I know I made that note. Um, so, so I'm not super into Ben. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not super so into ben. ben this episode. What do you give him? A six. Yeah, I gave him a five. Mm-hmm. I think I had to give him a five. I was just not interested in him this episode. He could have been mm-hmm. any fucking Joe Schmo on mm-hmm. the street. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Neither, neither negative or positive. So how do you feel about Polly? Screamy. So screamy. I was very disappointed. Very into Susan territory. Very Susan territory. Very have, much like, yeah. Why we have is she left here? Vicky? Like, yeah, entering into Susan. Like, why are we back here? Like yeah. she she had such great potential. Like this is not like her character. This is not something that you have portrayed in past episodes. She wasn't screaming during the last. Why segment. is she fucking making coffee again? Again, this and this one was so much more degrading. So if we're gonna talk about the original coffee episode, she offered to make coffee. That was also her boss. Well, right, and she offered to make. There is right. a difference, right, between being told to make coffee in this episode and offering to make coffee is the offering to make coffee a writer's choice that's degrading yeah maybe but there is a huge difference in the agency of the character Mm -hmm. of being told to make coffee like she did in this episode Mm -hmm. which then leads to the main male character making the discovery that it's the sugar that is making the disease happen Mm -hmm. like she's just a non-thinking vector mm-hmm. whereas in the original one she was making the coffee to create like an environment where people could think better mm-hmm. like she was it was intentional Very different use so different and mm-hmm. i cannot believe that we're going to critique this other one mm-hmm. where like it was a choice she made and it created a better environment and not critiquing all this other bullshit where she's being told to make it and that the male characters get the agency. By the doctor who, like, doesn't know her. Like, right. if we're talking about it, our theories, like... Yeah. He's a stranger at this right. point. You know? Like, does he have a memory of her? Obviously not, because he would have done something differently in other previous episodes. So, like, how are you just going to show up yeah. and just tell people to make coffee? And the fact... And, and it almost makes me disappointed in, in the creation behind her character as well because how do you just put somebody who in the past has called out fucking shit left and right the only person that's able to like push off wotan's mind control but that she when people are like hey bitch make some coffee she's like oh yes yes you're yes you're you're definitely right let me go make some no right this was i was disappointed in polly same especially because then when they're like oh, this is what the Cybermen seem to me made of. And she's like, you know, it's like acetone. And comes up with this idea. Mm-hmm. And Jamie and Ben just take all the credit. 
First of all, they like throw some shit together, which like just don't don't combine chemicals if you don't know what they are. Right. Especially yeah. with someone who was literally talking about like the Phantom Piper. Right. Yeah, right. Like no, the the that thought process, I just the fact that Polly, I loved the fact she was like, oh my God, it's like nail polish remover. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. I think it's amazing that they took a stereotypical female experience and combined it with science to understand like what we can do to win. Mm-hmm. But then the guys took it over. Right. And ended up taking all the credit. Like Polly wouldn't have let that happen. Polly right. been like, excuse me, bitch. That was me. Excuse me, bitch. Mm-hmm. And that she didn't was disappointing. Right. And that I have this many notes for Polly. Yeah, I don't have too much for her. Literally just like, Scoomy Polly, coffee. That's it. (laughs) I have, damn, now that's a patronizing coffee line. And a frowny face with X's for eye holes. Great. Yeah. Well. And a line that says, Jesus, don't touch him. So yeah, Polly's not having a good time. Paula's going to have a great score this episode. I don't think so. I think you're lying. I think that's wrong. Yeah, no, I have a I have a couple lines about screaming. Polly looks rough in this animation. No, Polly's not having a good week. So no. um, what do you give Polly? Uh, 5.5. I gave her a 5. Yeah, just... I don't have anything negative to say. I don't... I just think she wasn't negative, well. Just nothing real positive. Right. Just sad. Um, so how do we feel about Jamie? I mean, I thought he was on vacation half the episode yeah. because of the fact that he was just like seeing the Pied Piper the whole mm-hmm. time and really just like showing his ass in the sense of like, you, oh, you're really like someone from your time period because yeah. you keep talking about the fucking Pied Piper. Like, is the Tin Man really the Pied Piper? Like, I really don't think that's what you thought when you were talking about the Pied Piper back in your like culture days. Sure. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think he was kind of really childish afterwards. Like he was unconscious, a little childish afterwards in the sense that like he, at least in the last, one of the last episodes, like just throwing a fit about just like having to calm down (laughs) and just like, you know, not be an idiot. Um, I also felt like his outfit, the last episode felt like Velma from Scooby-Doo. Nice. Okay. <laughs> there we go. There's something we can uh, we can um, agree on. I I I can understand where you feel mm-hmm. all that shit from Jamie. Mm-hmm. Where I guess I'm more apologetic for him is that like I think that he is on his second adventure and that he is from the 1800s, mm-hmm. 1700s rather, and he has a huge learning curve. Right. And if he had gotten if he had attained that learning curve in the first episode. I guess I would have been okay with it technically, mm-hmm. but I'm excited, more excited that he didn't mm-hmm. and that he's still only on his second adventure and he gets injured on the moon. He's having fever dreams. A Cyberman shows up and so he reverts to his faith, mm-hmm. which I kind of like, especially because of course, of course the Phantom Piper looks nothing like a Cyberman. There's not, but it's the closest thing mm-hmm. he can rationalize. Mm-hmm. And as we get to the end of the episode, he's able to understand what's happening because he's not in a delirium and having a fever dream mm-hmm. and can move forward. And so it makes me more excited for how they're going to combine this mm, uh, 18th century faith system mm-hmm. with the total lack of a faith system that we've had so far in Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamie's the closest we've gotten to um, talking about afterlife, mm-hmm. talking about a god. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that's interesting. Um, I don't necessarily think that he's my favorite thing that's ever happened. I don't think right. the companions are the draw for this episode. I don't no. necessarily think that like no one was extraordinary. No. Except uh, the Cybermen. Except the cyber fucking Cybermen. <laughs> but I liked the concept of the Phantom Pi- that they went in, they, they tried that. Right. Because that's what I wanted from Katarina mm-hmm. is how can we layer science fiction with the Greek gods? Gotcha. And for Jamie, there's a little bit less of a, a difference in time period, 
but how how does he accept the world around Perceive him from world, his yeah. world mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so i liked that attempt mm-hmm. even if i don't think it was necessarily 100 percent successful i also liked the fact that the doctor went in to say when polly and ben were like he's fucking crazy he's talking about the phantom piper what do we do how do we knock him out of this lunacy that the doctor was like the phantom piper is real mm-hmm. because it's real to jamie mm-hmm. don't discredit how real something is to the person that it's real to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because if they believe it's real, then it is real. Then it's real, yeah. And you mm-hmm. need to treat it that way. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I really appreciated that because that's, I feel like, very modern in the terms of how we deal with that's true, yeah. how people perceive life. Yeah. And I, that, and I yeah. appreciated that. Mm-hmm. I liked that a lot. Enough that I'm going to go back and give the doctor an 8.5 instead of an 8 because that's a... That's yeah. a real modern feel. Yeah. I love that. But I also like that Jamie helped facilitate that. And I'm ex- I'm still looking forward to Jamie's growth. Right. And so I'm excited that he they're still keeping him very um, 18th century. Gotcha. Yeah. So um, what do you give Jamie? Mm, I mean, he was unconscious for half of it, so yes. I'm probably going to give him a 6.5. Ah, 6. A 6. Because he was unconscious for most of it. And he does ha- have some bright points. Mm. No, I'll do 6.5. I was thinking a 7, um, if only because I really like that the tension between him and Ben over whether Polly likes them is really entertaining when it's very clear that Polly doesn't give a fuck. About any of them. Yeah. That they're, she's like, they're both cute, whatever. Mm-hmm. So uh, you gave him a 6.5. Mm-hmm. I'm giving him a 7. seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'd give him a 7. I like Jamie. I like Jamie. I think that he's dumb and just kind of fun. So um, how do you feel about the baddie this episode? Who is the bad guy? I mean, Avi the Cyberman. Oh, thank fucking Jesus. Avi. I mean, I think they're great fucking villains. I think like they showed more of their dimension this episode and how calculating they can be. They showed the human intelligence. Yeah. And which is scary because it's also like the sentience and just like thinking about like, oh my God, Google has feelings. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. So, um, fucking scary as shit. I would give them a 9.4. Ooh, that's high. Just because, like, the world that we're living in right now and just how technology and what we're seeing can actually happen. Yeah. It's a a true threat. So I have been playing a lot of Cyberpunk 2077 Mm -hmm. recently. And... Uh, so I had a very strong reaction to the fact that this was set in 2070 mm. with the Cybermen mm-hmm. because I had forgotten that this was a Cybermen episode. And when I was watching it and the and the and the Cybermen kept getting like foreshadowed and then all of a sudden they were there, I just like couldn't even. It's just a very interesting um, meshing of right. fandoms. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really liked them in this episode because. The last time we saw the Cybermen, they were dominating, invading, we're going to kill everybody because we can, mm-hmm. and then they lost. Mm-hmm. And this time, it's kind of the remnants from that group. Mm-hmm. So they're scrappy, they're not invading because they can, but invading because if they don't, they believe it's the last of their species. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're still dangerous because they're Cybermen and we know what they can do. Mm-hmm. But imagine if this was their first episode. Right. We, we know. would feel very sorry for mm-hmm. them. Because all we would know is that the humans had almost wiped them out. Right. And they were trying to wipe out the humans before they could wipe out them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that it is a really interesting episode for the Cybermen. And I really liked them because they looked real dumb. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I love dumb, 
uh, practical effects. The fact that their costumes were all cloth and the fact and that they just bent like they were cloth, even though they're supposed to be metal and you were supposed right. to just pretend like it was that that, metal. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, that kind of shit just makes me real mm-hmm. happy because it's so fucking dumb. Ah, uh, one of my notes is ah, uh, a classic Cyberman under the sheets body swap. Right. Which is like, I like that kind it, of bullshit. It didn't match at all. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. The Cybermen stealing the people, the Cybermen cutting the hole the- in the side of the building mm-hmm. that somehow didn't trigger the whole like the moon exists in a vacuum, but right. you need oxygen. Right. But we're just going to stack some boxes in front of it and right. that's going to solve That's going to solve the problem. Yeah. Ah! Right. The the fact that Polly's like coffee tray that she brought was the one that like sealed the hole in the bubble of the uh that the Cybermen shot the hole. I loved it. Right. I loved it. I loved the Cybermen in this episode. It was a great combination of stupid and scary. Mm-hmm. I love stupid scary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you gave them a 9.4. I'm going to give them an 8.75. Okay. Because I felt that they were funnier than scary. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't like actually bring them too far down. Right. They just weren't like the most scary. Right. Right. So, um... I guess that brings us to our story. How do you feel about the story as a whole? I didn't hate it. It was fun. It was a fun story. I think that it was a combination of stupid and kind of relevant to whatever was happening at the time period. Mm -hmm. I liked the more dimensions of the doctor that we got to explore a little bit more of like what or who he is. Um, Story-wise, not my favorite not the worst it's like right in the middle so i'm right. probably gonna give the story in in a whole like a 6.8 this one in a modern lens feels so tropey but i feel like it's it because even like when i was reading about it i was like oh, a moon-based story uh a weather ray right uh, okay <laughs> but it's why I tried to point out at the beginning that this story was said before we ever went to the moon. Right. This is still so sci-fi for the time, whereas today, whatever, we set things on the moon all the time. Right. But it's, we've been there. Right. At this point, we, we still don't, we still have theories about what it'll be like on the moon, but we don't know mm-hmm. because we haven't been there yet. Mm-hmm. And so I, so I think this story is hard to judge. Because it would have felt so different then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But at the same time, um, I also kind of liked this story because, I, like I've been talking about recently, I've been looking for stories where the scientist isn't the bad guy. Right. And the head scientist from the moon base is not necessarily who I'd want to be friends with. Right. But by the end, I will acknowledge is probably someone that needs to be running the moon base. Right. Um, he seems like a dick at the beginning, but if some folks show up at the same time as a plague, right, You're you got not, some rights yeah, to be a bit right. of a dick. Right. What I will acknowledge is that our team t- seems to be too small mm-hmm. for such a big responsibility. Right. Um, I thought it was funny that they all had to wear their flag on their chest. Even though it is very reminiscent of the International Space Station, mm-hmm. where we have this, it's not on the moon, it is orbiting mm-hmm. space, mm-hmm. but we have different representatives from all these nations that live on this base for a year at a time, it is not constricted to one nation's research. Right. And it felt very similar to that. And it's where I like science, where science fiction can predict things that happen. Mm-hmm. So this felt very ISS to me. Mm-hmm. And so I liked the story for that reason. And I liked that it was a bunch of scientists. And he pointed out how much it was all scientists. Although what I will critique the story on is how fucking dare they make the geologists also the handymen. Uh. Fuck you. <laughs> like physicists can do grunt work too. Like you are right. not better than geology. Right. Ever. Um, now, I will also admit I'm partial. No, si- fuck you. Whatever. God fucking dare. 
you should all take Probably out the trash. Least. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> fucking physicists. Yeah. Think the geology. What? Fuck you. <laughs> I also liked the fact that the spacesuits looked as dumb as I hoped they would. Right. When I was watching the first episode that was animated, I was like, I hope we get to see those because they look real fucking dumb. And, they and were. at the end, when we got to see them, I was like, they yes, as they, fucking dumb. they're as dumb as I hoped they were because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they looked super stupid. I liked the wire work. I always like wire work in the 60s. I think it's funny. Um, I liked the space acting mm-hmm. because it was dumb. It was. I mean, like you said, this was before they knew what it was like right. to be on the moon. So it was like all a little off. And even then, like when you won't, when, you know, they weren't spending gobs of money on this. Right. If we still did something cheap today that did wire work, it's not going to look a lot better than this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Probably like green, like backdrop it off. Right. You know? And there's something to wire gravitational work mm-hmm. that just appeals to me because it it they're under no circumstances does it look real right and there's a part of that that i like and so it, it does appeal to me yeah it's okay i liked it okay i guess yeah not my favorite not the worst it was definitely middle grade i'm gonna give it a 7.5 the episode i would watch it again I would too. I would definitely watch it again. I liked it. It just it just doesn't excite me the way others might. Nah. And and especially because today a moon base, a weather ray, all of that seems very we like have more trope. context to it. Yeah, too. it's so tropey and And this is not the best one done for yeah. that type of trope. Yeah. No. Like there's so many bits. I I did like the moment where like the bubble broke and they used the drinks tray to like seal the so there's like some bad science fiction in this story, but there's nothing about it that makes me hate excited. It. Right. Oh, okay. Or hate yeah. it. Right. Either way. Like no both ways. Strong feelings. I just don't have a to it's any a good end one. Of the spectrum. Right. I liked it, but I don't feel strongly about it. Will this one hold I up? I will in a forget showdown? it. I feel like I'll forget about it in a season. Yeah. After season finale of this, I don't think I'll think about it. Give me another Cyberman story and I don't know if I think about it again. Which, I mean, at the end of the day, who knows if we'll see the Cybermen again? What we're like debating? Yeah, yeah. Is it worth our memory? I guess that. I guess that leads us into acknowledging that none of this has actually mattered. None of it's mattered, Jen. (laughs) Not even this episode. (laughs) Nothing about it has mattered because the only thing that matters is was this story neat or not. I'm going to be a little bit more selective this season and think no, because out of all the, like, out of the other Cybermen story, like, that one would be the one that I go towards, not this one. I know. I feel like if I was, like, in the first Doctor's run, I'd still be saying yes. Mm -hmm. And I liked it. New season. I like this a lot, but I don't know if I think that it's neat. Not better than the first and that's saying a lot because with Hartnell, like, bro. Because because I'm already willing to acknowledge that I like Troughton better than I like Hartnell. But yeah, like, I but just... I, it, it's don't. not enough to make me want to mm-hmm. watch it again. And I, that I will think it will last in a showdown with other episodes that we've seen this season. Yeah. And I did... <sighs> this one felt so tropey. And I think that it'll be interesting to move as we move forward to see if more things feel as tropey because you have to we have to understand that just because it feels tropey we can't necessarily judge it negatively because Mm -hmm. it's at the beginning of its tropey life but this one's not at the beginning yeah i mean it it still is but like coming off of the first one well, Not the moon base, up. well, the moon base and like all that stuff that like makes it unexciting for us might have been exciting in the yeah. 60s. It just didn't age well. It didn't because like how many moon bases have we seen as children? How many weather rays have we seen? Like yeah. ev- it's like every like every fourth episode of Spider-Man was a fucking weather ray. True, you know, yeah. it's it, to us we can't ha- help but have that background of this is what 90s cartoons were like. 
and so much of 90s cartoons. I mean, I even reference, you know, uh, Phineas and Ferb, where that's a much more recent cartoon, but it's feeling very doofenshmirtz. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it can't help but be an early representation of what this mega trope is in science fiction works against it. Right. And it can have props for being that, but not that if much. it's a basic version of what this trope becomes, it's still not neat. And that's too bad because I like I like the second doctor a lot. You're so cute. Look at his um, eyebrows. He has other episodes that we can like. Look at his eyebrows. He's so cute. <laughs> Look at his eyebrows. Yeah, no, he's a cute dude. And his little shabby coat. Yeah, you know, they can't all be winners. We've had a good run. This is so just wasn't no, This no, just no, wasn't no, as no, exciting no. as everything else. Yeah. And it's a they hell can't all no. be winners. Just <laughs> it's not a hell no, it's just a It's just a hard nah. no. Hard pass. It's a hard pass for you. It's like a eh, nah for me. No. Nah. So um, a hard no and a soft no, mm-hmm. but a no nonetheless. No, yeah. So next week, we are talking about the macro terror. The macro terror. Okay. The macro terror. It sounds like the new invasion of crawfish <laughs> that are like lobsters that have hit in South Texas. <laughs> the new ones where like the Hutes and Cron are like, please eat these. They're yeah, invasive. These are huge. These, yeah. these are tasty and big, yeah. meaning eat them all. Please eat them. Save our local crawfish. Right. Yep. I mean, maybe you're not wrong. That could be are the episode. Good? We'll find out. See you next time. See you in two weeks. Yeah. For the Macro Terror. Adios, motherfuckers. <laughs> Sin chao. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. And we super appreciate every single one of y'all's support. <laughs> we like you a lot. We think you're really cool and we appreciate you a whole ton. And if you have any questions, comments, or whiskey recommendations, you can find us on Instagram at Doctor Who underscore on the rocks. Or if you're old fashioned like me, you can email us at media on the rocks pod at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate, subscribe, or leave us a review, or like smoke signals, or whatever you can do to help us. Paper airplanes are cool. (laughs) Yeah, you can. Send us a message in a bottle. Uh, Hot air balloon with like a banner behind it. Whatever you, oh, one of those uh, fireworks with a message. Ooh, a dr- a drone display. A drone display. Advertising that, could be good. that would be cool too. Anyway, or just tell a friend. Yeah. That would That's actually be the easiest easier one. and cheapest. <laughs> easiest and cheapest. It'd just be to tell a friend. Um, but anyway you want to reach out, we love hearing from you and we thank you for listening every other week. And we'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Cheers.